Thank you for joining us for today's Real Life Today Bible Study with Dr. Brad Witt from the Book of Romans. Thank you for your prayer and support that enables us to share this practical biblical teaching. So grab a Bible, a notebook, and a pen, and let's study God's Word together. All right, we're in Romans. Uh, I know that comes as a surprise to you. We're in Romans chapter 5 uh, this morning. Let me, let me read the beginning of verse number 9, and then uh, we're going to begin jumping right into this morning's uh, uh, devotional. Again, I'm really glad that you're here. And so, but Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse number 9, excuse me, watch what it says. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So I was thinking this morning that they say, um, what, that 50 is the new 40, and if that's the case, then 8 is the new 10. Uh, I, I used to be a night owl. Uh, I used to be a, I mean, I, I had trouble sleeping. I'd stay up till two o'clock in the morning, but I, I couldn't get up. And, uh, I've noticed in the last couple of years that man, by about eight thirty, mm, nine, the latest, I'm getting tired. And, and, uh, but when, but when I was a night owl, I would, I would always catch all these infomercials. And, uh, you remember the famous guy, Billy Mays and, uh, OxyClean, Orange Glow, Kabam, Kaboom rather. And, uh, Billy Mays had a phrase that, that he was famous for. And his phrase was, but wait, there's more. And now we kind of a trope uh, that people talk about. But wait, there's more. And so that's kind of what Paul's doing here. Paul is saying, he, he's given him all this other stuff, Romans 5, 8. And, but now he goes, but wait, there's more. Because no list of benefits of being justified by God would be complete <clears throat> without mentioning and talking about those things that are yet to come. And so what Paul does here is he's telling us, hey, there's more, there's more, there's much, much more, there's more uh, to come. Now look what he says, beginning of verse nine. Uh, he says that we are saved from God's wrath. That's a much more. Uh, he says much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved <clears throat> from wrath through him. Now, there are a lot of folks and what they want to do is they want to focus on God's love. There are entire denominations that that's all they care about is God's love and they deny the truth of the wrath of God. And without knowing it, what they're doing is they're actually undermining, they're destroying the very truth that they seek to guard. Because how could a husband ever say that he loved his wife unless he was willing to hate somebody and actually do damage to someone who could come in and try to harm his, his wife and, or threaten her? And so God's wrath is directed at sin because what sin does, sin harms the ones that God loves the most, and that's people. Uh, remember John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That's talking about people, not just the planet. And so because man has chosen to allow sin to uh, uh, take, take over and take, take control of his life, now what happens is he falls under the, uh, he falls under the condemnation of the wrath of God. And so now there's coming a day when the full wrath of God is going to be uh, revealed and it's going, to, it's going to be poured out, if you will, upon sin and sinner alike. And, but what Paul says is for those, those for whom Christ died, he says, they're going to be saved from wrath. There was a, there was a, a, a legend, a king, who had this group that had rebelled against him, was causing all kinds of trouble in his kingdom and blowing up stuff and burning stuff and and hurting uh, people, and, 
And so he made a decree, every rebel must die. But there came a day when all those rebels that he had been fighting against came, stood before him, laid down their weapons, and uh, begged him for peace. And <clears throat> one of his advisors leaned over to him and said, but, but sir, or actually he would say, but sire, uh, but sire, you said that every rebel must die. And the king looked back and said, that's true. Do you see any rebels here? So you see, where sin is forgiven, there is no wrath of God. Where sin is forgiven. So he says here, but wait, there's more. Uh, we are saved from God's wrath. And number two, we are saved, we will be saved by his life. Look in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So he just says right there, we're going to be saved by his life. You know, most folks consider and think about salvation as that which happened in the past. We even used words, I was saved. I got saved when I was 15. I was saved when I was 12. I got saved when I was 8. And we think about salvation being in the past tense. It trusted way back there when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. But in a very real and true sense, <clears throat> it's also future. Uh, Paul says to the church at Philippi, he said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1 verse 6. And the word there complete means to not, miss, not be missing anything. Nothing's missing. And uh, so right now, there are some pieces and parts, if you will, of our salvation that are, that are missing. And uh, Paul goes on to remind us later on in, the, in this letter to the uh, church at Romans, uh, church at Rome rather, that right now, creation groans. It, it waits for the adoption, the redemption of our body. That's Romans 8, verse 22 through 23. And so, yes, we are saved and our eternal destiny, our eternal residence is sealed <clears throat> the very moment that we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. But in a very real sense, again, we are still awaiting the completion of our salvation when, again, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones, when we're going to be given those glorified bodies. Uh, there's not going to be any more tears or pain or sorrow or sickness or death. Why? Because Revelation says, for the former things have passed away. And so, I've always said this with you that salvation is, you know, when, when uh, Moses stood there before the burning bush and he said, hey, who, who should I say is going to, when he goes, God says, I'm sending you to go to Pharaoh, uh, who, who should I say sent me? He said, tell him I am sent you. I am past, I am present, I am future, the eternal present tense. Jesus even said, I am. And in a very similar way, our salvation, it is I was saved, I am being saved, I'm going to be saved. I was saved, that's justification. I am being saved, that's sanctification. I will be saved, that's glorification. And so all that's wrapped up in here. We shall be saved by his life. And then we're going to sing and shout and praise and, uh, and rejoice forever and ever and ever. Look in verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Paul says we've now received, now, right now, we have received the reconciliation. Years ago, I think in 1860s, 1840s, the Prince of Wales went to uh, visit India. And he was there in uh, New Delhi. And uh, when he got there, there was a group of about 10,000 outcasts. So if you know, India has this caste system. <clears throat> and there was 10,000 outcasts, the lowest of the low. And they were there and they had this great big banner stretched out that said, proclaiming the prince of the outcast. And that's a great title for Jesus. The prince of the outcast. Why? Because those of us who have been separated from God, we're aliens, we are outcast. 
Romans says, Paul says, that we have now been reunited with him through Jesus Christ. As a result of that, we can look forward with joy and hope and shouting and singing and praising, all those sorts of things, forever and ever and ever, basking in his love and, uh, and just enjoying all of his good benefits. But it's only in him that we experience what it is like to be completely known, loved, and accepted. And so, again, Paul's talking about how the fact here, our journey with Jesus has just begun, and we're moving on to our ultimate destination. Now, verse 5, or chapter 5, goes on to say in verse number 12, <clears throat> it's not just much more, now it's much, much, much more, because he just keeps going. He says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. There's an important word there, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned, come at Adam, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so one man's righteous act, the free gift came uh, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Deep water. Deep, deep water. There's a reason why this is the Everest series. There's a reason why this is called the Himalayas of Scripture. It really, I mean, the closest thing, in my opinion, to what you're going through right now would be like Ephesians 1, okay? Deep water, important theological truth, the foundation of our understanding of sin and salvation, uh, theologically, is right here. And so, uh, He's talking here again about, about, the, about the much more, the much more. A uh, little boy who said one time, he says, you know, when my mama makes me a peanut butter sandwich, uh, I know that she loves me. Uh, when she puts jelly on my peanut butter, I know she really, 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 really loves me. And so what Paul is sharing with us here in the closing verses of chapter 5 <clears throat> is that God really loves us. And, matter of fact, he, he puts jelly on it, all right? He puts jelly on our peanut butter sandwich. Because three times in verses 15 through 20, again, he repeats that phrase, much more. As awful and horrible and terrible, deadly, destructive as sin is, the good that we receive from Jesus is much more. So let's wrap that up here this morning. What is it? This gift of Jesus. Um, the gift of Jesus is much more than the penalty of Adam. It's much more than the penalty that Adam received as a result of disobeying God there in the garden. In the day that you eat of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, you're going to die. 
And so Adam died. He disobeyed. And so Christ's gift, it's much more. Look at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. When Adam disobeyed God, when he rebelled, the Bible says, verse 12, that sin entered the world and death through sin. Now, even before the law was given, even before the law, uh, again, which detailed, described man's sin, humans experienced the penalty of Adam's rebellion. Why? Because all had sin, verses 13 through 14. But then Christ's death on the cross paid the penalty for sin, and what did it do? It gave us life. But we have a lot more, much more, Paul says, than that. Matter of fact, John says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Not just ordinary, average, run-of-the-mill, everyday life, but a life that's overflowing, abounding, uh, supercharged, uh, able to abound to many, is what Paul says. And so Christ's gift is much more than the penalty that Adam uh, passed on to us. But then Christ's kingdom is much more than Adam's kingdom. Look at verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And so if you remember, go back to, go back to Genesis 1 and 2. When Adam was created, when Adam was formed and fashioned out of the dust of the earth and God breathed into his life, uh, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26 that God gave Adam dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Uh, then in verse 28, he was told to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living uh, thing that moves on the earth. And so when Adam sinned, when Adam disobeyed God, he lost for himself and all of us ever since then. He lost for all of his uh, all of his uh, progeny, if you will, uh, the right to rule over all of creation. What God said instead was, verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 19, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So in replace <clears throat> for Adam's rule and reign uh, over this earth, Christ gives us a heavenly spiritual kingdom. Uh, verse 17, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And so, all the details and how it works, that still remains to be seen. But the Bible makes it absolutely abundantly clear that one day we will rule with Christ. Revelation 1 talks about us being kings and priests unto God. Uh, you can go read 2 Timothy 2.12, Revelation 1.6. <clears throat> and so this kingdom that comes, that we receive through the righteousness of Jesus it is much more than that which was lost by the sin and rebellion of Adam. Then lastly, Jesus' grace is much more than the condemnation of sin. Look at verse, verse number 20. We're done. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. You know, it really is hard to fully comprehend just how absolutely destructive, deadly sin is. It, it really is. It's really hard to fully comprehend the depravity of sin. But 
as great as that is, there's, there's only one thing that is greater than man's sin, and that is God's grace. And I love what Paul says there, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. No matter how big our sin, God's grace is bigger. I mean, if you read through the Bible, God's forgiven murderers like Moses. He's forgiven liars like Abraham. He's forgiven adulterers like David. And he can forgive you. Again, I always say it, no matter where you've been, what you've done, <clears throat> where you were raised, what you've gone through, there's nothing you've done. There's nothing you've done that would put you outside the grace of God. If there's a desire in your heart this morning to trust Christ, no matter what you've done, if you will come to Jesus and say, I'm sorry for my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. I surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. You can pray something just like that. I know that I'm a sinner. I surrender my life. Please save me. And if you would do that, he would. And it goes back to that story, that legend of the king, of those rebellion, those rebels. Because we, the one time, one the Bible says one time we were enemies of God, at war with God. And those rebels, and the king had said, every rebel must die. But when they came and they laid down their weapons before him and they surrendered to him, he looked around and said, I don't see any rebels here. Matter of fact, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you're no longer a rebel. You're a friend. You're a son, a daughter, family of the king. 